All right. If you uh, also, I forgot to mention. I forgot to mention. Kids choir is today. So if you have any kids all the way up through sixth grade, all the way up through sixth grade, we're gonna go practice our choir songs for next week. Let's sing together. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Stay standing, let's sing together. We're going to sing Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden when rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You may be seated. Perfect introduction to what we are talking about today. And we're in a series of messages in the Ten Commandments. And it's about joy. Where do you find joy in life? How do you find joy in life? Now this um, series, this is number nine of an 11 part series. And it's commonly, the, the subject matter is commonly known as the Ten Commandments. Um, the first f uh, four commandments deal with our relationship to God Himself. You have no other gods before me, uh, no idols, um, don't use the Lord's name in vain, and uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so those deal with our relationship to God Himself. Now the next six deal with our relationship with each other. And this is so uh, basic that to violate any of these creates disharmony in relationships, it breaks relationships, it breaks trust. And so that's why I call this particular series The Highway to Happiness because just obeying, trusting God and obeying these simple commands can really bring joy to you and to the relationships and the people around you. But to disobey them uh, brings all kinds of strife and struggle. So this morning, <clears throat> we're going to look at uh, commandment number eight. And I'm not even going to have you turn to it, but in Exodus 20, uh, I just want you to say with me. Now, eight, I've given everybody, for those of you who are first-time guests with us, I taught the church family uh, the Ten Commandments in a way that uh, uh, you can know them frontwards, backwards, in between, from the inside out, and I can just jumble them up. 
there was a study done that found only uh, four out of every ten seminary students could list all ten. Uh, and it got even worse than that with everybody else. And yet they're so very, very basic to our life. They're the foundation of, um, uh, of even our own country's um, laws. Now, eight rhymes with gate. And gate, why do we put up gates? Well, gates, we put up gates to keep out thieves. And so, commandment number eight is simply, thou shalt not steal. Boy, listen to that. See, we don't even have to look it up, do we? Thou shalt not steal. Now, this morning, you're probably thinking, okay, let's see. Um, number one, there's no other gods. Yeah, okay, I'm okay with that one. I haven't violated that one. Number two, uh, idols. No, I haven't. Well, yeah, I have had some things that were a little bit, uh, uh, you know, maybe I put in ahead of God. Uh, number three, have I ever used the Lord's name in vain? Well, how many of you have never done that, you know? Uh, so, <clears throat> you come to number eight and say, thou shalt not steal. <sighs> Finally got one, I made, all right? So that's where we're gonna jump into today. But before we do, the scripture also says, I got, we got kind of another treat for you. I, I've booked some, uh, uh, excuse me, not booked, I've scheduled some folks along the way to give some testimonies. You heard from Don and Vanessa a few weeks ago. Uh, and this morning, uh, I've asked uh, Vince and Daphne Collier to come just share a word of personal testimony. Uh, and it's about lessons that God's taught them along their journey. And so I, I've asked them just come and just share. I don't know what they're going to say. Didn't really give them a whole lot of instruction. Vince has asked me twice, now what exactly do you want me to say? I said, no, I just want you just to talk about lessons you've learned along the way. And, and, and as they share... It's learning lessons like these Ten Commandments, you know, um, like uh, number five, which rhymes with what? Hive, five, hive, which means, you know, mama bee, papa bee, you'll have, the, you know, when there's purity in a marriage relationship, no adultery, there's joy that comes from that. And so there's a lot of life lessons along the way, and uh, Vince and Daphne have walked with the Lord for a number of years, and I've just asked them to come just share a word of testimony from their life, Okay. You gonna bring dog too? Oh, good. Okay, good, good. Guide dog, so you know. Uh, when Dave asked us to do this, it really made me nervous. And as you know, I've, I've spoken before you guys a lot of times, so I don't normally get nervous when I speak before folks. Um, but I think he could also tell that I was uncertain uh, because my first response to him, he said, "I want you to talk about stewardship." And I said, well, I don't usually talk to people about what we give because my mind immediately went to money. And as I prayed about it and thought about it some over the past couple of weeks, I realized stewardship is more than money. Money's part of it, but stewardship's a lot more than money. And one of the things that God has taught us through the years is, first of all, everything belongs to him. And if you look at your life and you look at your assets, you look at your talents and resources, it all belongs to God. And we are stewards. What stewards means is that it's something that's put in someone's safe care. So he's entrusted us with our time, our talent, and our resources that we have for this period of time we're on this earth. And we're expected to be stewards. In other words, do with it what he would have us do. Now, I won't say we've always done that, but I'll give you one personal example. When I first became a Christian, Daphne married an unsafe person. Not a good thing, right? Uh, <laughs> She took a shot, and it worked out okay, I think. But, uh, but shortly after I became a Christian, Daphne says, well, you know, we really should start tithing our income. And I went, down to 10%. And we were living in a house on a dirt road with, it was furnished because we couldn't afford anything else. And she was asking me to give up 10% of my income to go to the church. And I said, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? But we talked about it, we prayed about it, we did it. And a week later, I got a raise and a promotion that offset that. So there's an example of how God will, will bless if you're faithful. So, but it's not just money, it's time, talent, and resources. And over the years, what I think we've learned is as we have put more time into things, this, this uh, video on the kids brought back fun feelings and bad feelings for me. <laughs> Because Daphne and Carrie were just all into it, and they loved it. And I'm going, oh, geez. 
because I always end up being a disciplinarian, but it was something that I felt like that God called us to do, and it's the use of our time in terms of stewardship. Uh, that, and then John talked last week about using our talents in the church, our time and our talents. So it's more than just money. So, and we've been extremely blessed. Daphne and I were talking on the way in this morning. Would you have ever thought we'd be in a position where we are today? And that includes our home. We've always thought that's God's too. And we're glad that many of you have been able to come out and enjoy uh, where we live and have the church picnic on, in, the, in the fall and that kind of thing. So it's, it's just an ongoing experience of learning how being faithful and God will bless you. And, and I'll let Daphne share a personal example of, of stewardship <clears throat> that God led her to. So. Well, a lot of times when we think of stewardship, we think it has to be at church. It, 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 we don't think it involves the rest of our life. But in reality, it does involve our whole life. And you all obviously know what I am spending a whole lot of my time doing. And I, this is a ninth guide dog puppy that I have raised for Southeastern Guide Dogs. And I really feel like God has called me to this. And it is a ministry. And I still have not been able to look out and figure out exactly why he called me to do this, except I am helping people. But I'm sure that there is a, in his plan, there is a reason. But I just wanted to share with you how I know that God called me to this. He didn't exactly just say one night, Daphne, raise a guide dog. But he almost did because I had seen them out. And I thought, that looks kind of neat. I think that might be fun. And then the newspaper came one morning, and I opened it up, and out fluttered, I still have it, out fluttered, just like this, this little piece of paper, and it's a torn-out picture of one of the southeastern guide dog puppies. And I told Vince, I said, uh-oh, God just sent me a message that we need to raise a guide dog. There was nothing else in the paper. There wasn't anything that this was torn out of. This just fluttered out of the newspaper, just like this. So, you know, we talk about it, and we really didn't do anything about it. <laughs> Vince really hadn't bought in. And then one morning in Sunday school, we were in the fellowship hall, and literally where my seat was, I sat down, and I looked out the window, and on that big billboard across the road, it said, raise a guide dog puppy for Southeastern Guide Dog. The school had put out an advertisement over there, and I said, okay, I am going to do it. Since then, like I said, this is my ninth puppy. And I just want to say, I'm using my time. I think it, I am being a good steward of the time I spend doing this. But you all are also helping me with this because you put up with this. And this is the first one that has barked in church. <laughs> Bless Don Babcock's heart, but he can always tell where I have sat. And where we have been, because there's a trail of white hair that he follows around with the vacuum cleaner and cleans up. And you all have just always been very gracious about supporting us in this. And I just want to thank you for that and tell you that I think you're participating in my stewardship by doing that. So, yeah. You see, the, the Lord is interested in your life, you know, you. And every person is different, and you each have different gifts, abilities, uh, but we all have a responsibility. How do we serve? How do, I, how do I steward my life? And so that's why this particular series is just kind of, let's go back to the basics and look at what are some of the basic issues that God is looking for in our life. As I shared before, the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship to God, and the next six deal with our relationship to each other. So these last three messages are about our relationship with each other and, of course, to the Lord, too. In your uh, uh, bulletin, there's a little uh, note sheet that you're going to need this time because it's uh, <clears throat> fill in the blank, and if, I don't know if you've counted them yet, but there's ten on one side and nine on the other, so you better listen real fast this morning, all right? Um, this um, lesson today that we're going to look at is commandment number eight. And without even looking it up, let's just say it together. Thou shalt not steal. Now that's it, real simple. Four words. Man, that gets good. So um, how are you doing? Let's, let's take a look at this. Now, let's talk about, you're going to see there's three things. Stealing from others. Uh, stealing from God, and why be honest? 
Why should we be honest? And then some commitments we're going to make. So let's, let's look at the first one, stealing from others. How do we do that? Number one, by direct aggression, robbery. That's one way we steal is through just direct aggression. You know, you're walking along and you just take something. Um, maybe you were a kid in, um, in the uh, drugstore, you know, growing up, and, and you wanted a piece of uh, a bubble gum. And your mom or dad says, nope, nope, can't have the bubble gum. So you slip around the corner and you unwrap one and chew it, chew it real quick, put it back in the package and set it back. Uh, now, you use that, it's still stolen. Y'all never did anything like that? You know, oh man, I'm telling on myself, aren't I? All right. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something a little simpler. You know, you go to the store and here's a way that you can be guilty of stealing directly from someone. They've got grapes, 99 cents a pound. You go, oh, hmm, let's see. Well, they look good. But I don't know if they're any good. I better taste one. You take one and taste it. All right, now, that grape didn't get weighed. Right? So you just stole a grape. You see, the issue is not the amount. That's not the issue. The, the amount is never the issue. It is have you. Now, if we're real honest with each other, I think, in fact, I could just do a little poll right here and say, how many of you have never, ever stolen anything in your life? I'll tell you what, let's just do that. How many of you have never, ever, not one thing, never taken anything, even a grape? Raise your hand right now. And I want you up in the front to look around, back behind you, okay? Raise your hand if you've never taken anything. Uh, okay, so we've got a whole room full of self-confessed thieves, right? <laughs> that doesn't sound good like that, does it? It, it really, it doesn't sound good like that. But the fact is, we do. And thieves don't steal um, because they have an opportunity. They steal, because they're, they're, they steal because they're thieves. And that's sin. It's real simple. It's just sin. One of the things that... that uh, um, Jonathan asked the kids here, he said, are you a sinner? And all said, yes, I have been. I think, and you all have just confessed to everybody else here, I'm a sinner. Now, Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, how many times did they sin before God kicked them out of his presence? Once. So how many times do you have to sin to be classified as a sinner? How many sins do you have to commit to be disqualified from heaven? How many have you already confessed to? Now, we could, we could spend a little more time, couldn't we? The fact is, that's where we are. So, uh, one of the ways that we can steal from others is just by direct aggression, by robbery. A second is by defrauding employers. You can steal by defrauding employers. Your employer hires you for a task or for a job or for a certain number of hours. And if you don't work those hours then you have just defrauded him. Notice the scripture there. The reason I want you to look at this because I've got scripture that's been pulled out so you can see what God's word says about each of these subjects. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever you do, work at it with all your heart. Read the last phrase with me. As working for the Lord, not for men. So everything that you do in your employment should be as to the Lord. And him looking at what you do, not, don't do it to please an employer. You work as, uh, as to the Lord. And so by not giving your employer a full day's work for a day's pay, you're defrauding your employer. You're stealing from them. Another way that we, can, that we are guilty of stealing from others can be by, number three, by deceiving customers. By deceiving customers. Amos 8.5 says this. When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimming the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales. That's how you defraud the customer. You don't give your customers a full value for what they purchase. That's how you defraud. And notice here, it's, it's very clear, skim the measure. You know, I noticed that uh, you go buy uh, uh, certain items in the store now, uh, like jelly. 
It used to always be 12 ounces, you know, 12 ounces, 12 ounces. Now it's 10 ounces. Same price, but 10 ounces. You notice things like that? Okay. Skimming the measure. Skimming the measure. Um, a fourth way is by delaying payments. We can steal from others by delaying payments that we owe, things that we owe. Leviticus 19.13 says, Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. If somebody has, you have hired and you've engaged somebody to do work for you, don't delay payment. Because what you do is you're stealing from them. Uh, a man, a workman has come, mow, either mowed your grass or cut down a tree or, or wash your car or whatever the service is that they've done. Don't sit on the bill for two months. Don't delay, pay it. Because whenever you don't pay that workman for their job and do it quickly, you're defrauding them. You're stealing from them. So it says, do not hold back the wages of a hired man. My son is a contractor, general contractor, and my oldest son, and he just told me last night at dinner about uh, a man that uh, uh, he's paid for a job that he's done, a framing job, and he didn't pay his workers. You know, and the workers are calling my general contractor's son and saying, hey, where's our money? Where's our money? He says, I paid the man. I gave the money. And what are they having to do? These, these workmen who did the work are having to borrow money just to buy groceries, some of them. And that just shouldn't be. So when a service is performed, pay and do it quickly, right then. Don't, don't even wait overnight. Give them the money. Number five, another way that we can steal from others is by, see, it's not just reaching in their pocket and getting money. It's not just taking money. There's other ways. We can do it by defaulting on loans. We can steal from another by defaulting on a loan. Now, see, somebody has taken money out of their account and they've given you money to use. You have agreed in a loan to pay back at a certain rate, a certain time. That's an agreement. And when you don't do that and you default on a loan, you have just stolen from that person. You say, well, it's a big bank or it's a big credit card company, major corporation, they won't miss it. The issue is not them, it's you. It is your relationship with the Lord. It is, it is what God is doing in you that's important. And when you don't, uh, if you default on a loan and you don't pay back what you have given, what you've been given, then you're defaulting on a contract and your word is no good. And that's a way that you steal from people. And sometimes people will justify defaulting on a loan because oh, that's a big company. They won't miss it. That's a big, you know, that guy's got all kinds of money. This person's got that, you know, they won't miss it. Baloney. <laughs> so don't default on loans. Romans 13, 8 says, here's what you're to do. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. You want to fulfill the law? Love one another. And don't let any debt, don't have any debt except the debt of love to another. Christ died and gave his life for you to set you free from sin. And that law of love, that demonstration of love that he gave to you, you're to give to others around you. You know, I see on Sunday morning here, we have, when we greet one another, you know, it's kind of like, if, uh, and I've shared this before, uh, this, is, so this is for our guests. Uh, sometimes I think if these folks were Eskimos, they'd all have red noses from just walking up and rubbing each other's noses, you know. Uh, just a holy hug-in, the kind of thing that goes on. Do you know how many folks out here in, this country, in this, these areas around us would give anything to have relationships like that? To have friends like that that they can see and count on? That's that law of love. You need, to, you need to reach out to others who don't have that and invite them into your life. So don't owe anything to anyone except the law of love. Another way we can steal is by oppressing the poor. Mark 12, 40 says here, he's talking about religious people, the religious crowd. It says, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers such men will be punished most severely. 
Dear ones, I want to tell you that if there's one person you don't ever want to defraud, you better not defraud a widow. Widows have a unique relationship with God, and many of them don't even realize how unique that is, how closely God guards them and cares for them. And it says right here, people who devour a widow's house, in other words, devour her income, take steals from her somehow. This is New Testament. Such men, what does it say, will be punished severely. Not may be or could be. The Word of God says will be. So if you're going to choose to defraud somebody or something, you better not do it to a widow. You know, you better look out for them. This means yes. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Another way that we can do it is by defaming someone's reputation. We can steal someone's reputation by uh, the word, by, by saying the wrong thing. Like, like uh, somebody comes and says, well, what do you think about Jonathan preaching last week? Hmm. Okay, now what have I just done? I didn't say a word, did I? Just expressed it. And what I've done is I've just defamed his reputation. That's how easy it is, folks. Now, use that because you know Jonathan and I love each other, and he's right here. So, and you all heard him last week. It was good. So, uh, th that's how easy it is to, to steal someone's good name and reputation. You can defame someone else just by what you say about them. That's stealing. That's stealing something probably more precious than gold or silver is taking their reputation. Uh, Another way that we can steal. Now remember, the, tenth, the Eighth Commandment is, Thou shalt not steal. It's more than just silver and gold and possessions. We can steal by destructive entertainment. And put in parenthesis there, gambling. Gambling. We can steal by gambling. Trying to think that we are, we are gaining something. You know, that, uh, in fact, <laughs> uh, these casino owners... Man, they're making a killing. Why? How? Off of people who think that they're going to they're gonna make it. They're, they're going to get something for nothing. Everything's stacked in the houses. Uh, it's stacked in their favor. Otherwise, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be casinos. There wouldn't be multi-billion dollar buildings. And it wouldn't be a lottery. Now, I'm not going to ask me who of you buying lottery tickets. But, you know, you know, the chances of winning the lottery is about like standing out here in the middle of the day right now with blue sky and say, <laughs> strike me with lightning. Lottery is, I tell you what, it's God's tax on idiots. That's what a lottery is, all right? <laughs> all right? It's just foolish. But they always, they always promote the, uh, the lottery winner. Why? Because they want you to take your money out of your pocket and buy tickets because that's how they win. Nothing is produced. No value is created. There is no product that, is, that, that comes about being because someone makes an investment. Uh, that, that's what gambling is. So we can steal through destruct by, by gambling. We can steal from others. Another, number nine. Oh, what is today? This is, today is April the 15th, isn't it? All right, what's April the 15th? That's a, yeah. Somebody, I, I go into the doctors and they say, well, what are you allergic to? April 15th, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm allergic to, okay. April 15th. Remember this one. You can steal by deceiving the government. Oh, what a day to talk about that one, huh? Romans 13, 6 and 7. Follow along as I read this one. This is also why you should pay taxes. And again, folks, New Testament not the law, this is New Testament. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If taxes, pay what? Taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If you owe respect, then pay. If honor, then So give, you can steal by deceiving the government, either those in authority. You see, every governing authority is put in place by God. Every governing authority in your life and my life is put in place by God. And so we have to just trust Him, okay? 
So you can steal by de deceiving government. Number 10, you can steal by defrauding the Lord. By, by defrauding God. How do you do that? Well, uh, we're going to deal with that in the, this very next point here. How do you steal from God? It just leads right into the next one. How do you steal from God? Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Follow along as I read it. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, folks, there are a few times in the scripture where it says, you know, you don't test the Lord, you don't try the Lord, you know, you trust him. But here is one area God's saying, try me. Just try it and see. I mean, the Lord is just throwing down the gauntlet right here. I remember the very first time that I ever preached a message on tithing. I mean, I got my message all prepared. I'd studied all week and I had all the point. I'm thinking, and then I, I'm praying before I come out to preach. And I had this spirit of terror come over me and say, I'm going to tell these people they got to give their money. And I'm thinking, oh man, what, Lord, what, you know, if I tell them they're going to give, you're going to get, and you're going to bless. And then the Lord says, what does my word say to me? And you know, I have never, ever had any problem speaking to a group of people about tithing and giving to the Lord. You know why? Because here's his promise. He says, you're, you're robbing me, but he says, so do this. He says, test me in this, says the Lord God, says the Lord God Almighty, Elohim, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates. Folks, I'm not saying that. That's, that's right out of the word. That's the word who says that. And you know, I've talked to a lot of folks who get into financial trouble. They don't manage things well. And when I ask them about, do you tithe? 100% of the time. Nope. And I said, how can God bless you if you don't know how to take care of your own stewardship? How can God do that? Vince just shared just a moment ago with Daphne. Said, she said, we need to tithe. We need to give 10%. 10%. The numbers don't add up. You know, when Suzanne and I started too, Vince, we had missed, missed a meal. We had missed a thing. But I can tell you, I've seen a whole lot of victories, a whole lot of, of answers that we didn't even expect. I, <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, you know, man, I, we, ain't got, we ain't got two nickels rubbed together, and there's a homeless guy that that uh, came to the church and, uh, and I'm talking to him after the service and I'm reaching my pocket and I've got one $10 bill till the next payday, which is about 10 days away. One $10 bill. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this guy talking and God's telling me, give the man the $10. And I'm just playing with that thing. I'm not hearing a thing he's saying. I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm saying, Lord, I, that's the last $10 I got. You know, and I'm just hanging on that $10 bill. I'm just hanging on that thing. And he, and he says, well, you're not going to make it till next payday anyway, are you? Go, no. He says, then trust me. So I pulled it out. I shook his hand. And he goes, I just love those handshakes like that. You know, he goes, <laughs> you know what? The very next day, the very next day in the mail, I opened up an envelope. Somebody had mailed us from, I think it was Abilene or Amarillo, somewhere out west. The postage stamp, all I had was our address, and a postage stamp was somewhere out in West Texas. And there was a check in there, I think it was $100, wasn't it? Met all of our needs. The very next day it came. You say, well, that check was already on the way. You know, your $10 didn't have anything to do with it. Ah, 
I beg to differ. I think God could have hidden that piece of mail, could have dropped it out of the mailbox, you know, something could have happened. It could have been delayed. All I'm saying is, folks, just try him. And I'm saying that because that's what the word of God says. The word of God says, test me, prove me, try me in this. See if I don't open the doorway to heaven for you. Now, you know, okay, just rob me then. Steal from me. Take from me what's already mine. You say, well, how, will, well, how do I rob God? You don't give. You don't give. Sometimes you can give the wrong attitude too. Mm, Got to write that 10%. You know what? If you got the wrong attitude, you might as well keep it in your pocket because God ain't going to bless it. Huh? Vince, you, you got to have the right attitude behind it too. Attitude's a whole lot, folks. That's how you rob God. Now, folks, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to be blessed. I want you to see God's hand in your life. And I can tell you, and Vincent Daphne has just told you, that they have seen God's hand in their life because they were obedient to this. So I'm not doing this, uh, you know, God doesn't need your money. You and I need Him. And if you want Him working for you, then here's a way right here. He says, you can see me at work. Just open up your checkbook. You can see me at work. So we can steal. Remember, the Eighth Commandment says... Thou shalt, what? Not steal. Are you stealing from God? Are you stealing from God? Some people are watching TV on God's dime. Some people drove to church on God's tithe. Folks, all I can tell you is Suzanne and I have how long did we start this, baby? 50 years? I don't know. Long time. Gosh, it's been a long time. 40 years. 40 years. And the Lord has just blessed us over and over again. And I want so much. I, I want so much for you to see God's hand at work in your life. How are you doing without him? You say, well, I'm living my life without him. How, how good is that working out for you? How good is that working out for you? Okay. All right. Let's go to the third one. Why be honest? Okay. <laughs> uh, why be honest? Well, Proverbs 10, 22. Read this one with me, okay? The blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no troubles to it. The blessing of the Lord. Why be honest? <laughs> to get the blessings of God in your life. That's, that's why. You, you want the blessings of God. You want peace in your life. Uh, you, you don't, without any troubles, without the struggles that go with it, do you want God's blessings? Then it says right here, the bless, to be honest, the blessings of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. Why? Well, number one, I will reap what I sow. That's just a principle that works. You know, I mean, you, you take grass seed, you throw grass seed out. What do you get? Peaches? <laughs> no, you get grass, right? Okay, plant corn. What do you get? Corn. Plant cherry pits. What do you get? Cherries. Okay. Simple process. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow dissension, if you sow... Um, an attitude of thievery, if you sow an attitude of deception, you know what you're going to reap? Sow deception, you're going to what? Reap what? Deception. Sow love, you're going to reap what? Love. Sow infidelity, you're going to reap what? Infidelity. I mean, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. God says this in Galatians, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you reap. So what are you sowing? What, what do you need in your life? That's what you need to sow. You need friends? Sow friendship. You need grace? Sow grace. You know, you need folks to overlook the warts and the struggles of your life. 
then you need to overlook the warts and the struggles in their life toward you. Love them. Just, just love folks. Because I will reap what I sow. Number two. Why be honest? Dishonesty damages my character. Dishonesty damages my character. Proverbs 19.1 says, Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. See, it's better for a man to be poor and have a righteous walk, an honest walk, than it is to uh, be a lying fool. And see, that's what damages your character. Can people trust your word? Can they trust you? You say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do that. Can they trust your word? Because when you don't do that, your character is lost. So when do you start? How about now? How How about right now? Okay. Number three, why be honest? Because God will reward my honesty. God will reward my honesty. <laughs> Matthew 25, 21. Let's read that one together too, okay? His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now see, that's a lesson Jesus. If you read that in the New Testament, it's going, to be, it's, it's going to be in red letters. And so what God is saying here, what the Lord Jesus is teaching us, is it's real obvious, isn't it? Well done, you good and faithful servant. If you handle things well now, later, I'm going to give you more. If I could put the eternity in perspective... Uh, and, and let's just say that wall is the beginning of time right there. And of course, it has no beginning or end. I mean, right there, that's the beginning of time. And here, 18 jillion, trillion, quadrillion, million years later, here's the end of time. Okay. And right here, Sharon, you're born right here. Right there. Okay. Now, you live, born right here, and you die right there. Our time on this earth is but a blink in time. We are here. It's like a vapor. Uh, the scripture tells us in James, it's like the steam kettle. When the steam's on the table, you know, on your stove, and the steam comes up, and it's there just for a moment, and then gone. That's the way our lives are. We're here. The 70, 80, 90 years that you and I are here, we're here in eternity like a vapor. We're here just for a moment and gone. So what's important? Is, is, is this little slice of life right here important? Or is eternity the most thing, important thing for us? Folks, eternity. Because this is just preparation. This little blip that we've got here in time is just preparation for eternity. And what the Lord Jesus is saying is, because you've been a faithful steward here with the little that I gave you, the one talent, the five talents, the ten talents, Whatever it is I've given you here, because you've been faithful with that, when you step into eternity, I'm going to give you responsibilities and blessings that far exceed that. But if I can't trust you here, then I can't trust you with greater riches in eternity. Isn't that what it says? I mean, look at it with me. Am I, am I telling you the truth? Well done, good and faithful servants. Wouldn't you like to step before God in eternity when you die, stand in front of Him and Him look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, the few things I've given you. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Folks, I'm pouring my heart out here to you today. This is what... I want you to step into eternity and for the Lord Jesus to look at you and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have lived a great life. You have have sown love. You have reaped love. 
You have, I've given you this little amount and you've been faithful. You've tithed, you've worked, you've served the, the gifts. And because you've been faithful with that little, I'm going to bless you more than you can imagine. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. That's the reason, because God will reward your honesty. He promises it right here. And folks, you can just hang on this little ship, slip of paper right here, and when you step in eternity, you say, God, hey, well, you told me right here, look. You told me. <laughs> it's not Dave, it's, it's your word that says that, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So what's the first steps? Let's just talk about the first steps of integrity. Let me wrap this up here. The first steps to integrity. One, make restitution when possible. If it's possible for you to make restitution for someone, to someone that you have wronged, then go back and do that. Now this is a dangerous thing, folks, because you just, you get on your knees and you pray and say, Lord, if I have wronged anyone, then show me. Now look what happened to Zacchaeus. Remember that little song in uh, Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And then, how's it go? Uh, the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Okay, that's the guy. That's the guy we're talking about. Wee little Zacchaeus, okay? Don't laugh the way I sing. You know it's not any good. <laughs> All right. All right. The, you know, anytime, anytime I sing, I got this great musician down here, you know, plays, has this beautiful ear to, to music. And anyway, I do the best I can with what I got, girl. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, here's what Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Now, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Zacchaeus, here's the way the Roman tax system worked. Uh, the Romans didn't want to go out here. They didn't want to be bothered with all the taxes. So they just said, okay, this block right here of houses and people uh, is up for sale. Uh, who's going to, what, what tax collector is going to get? So I, I bid $100. I'll pay you a Caesar. I'll pay you $100 to, to collect taxes in this area. Um, somebody else, John says, no, 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 wait. Uh -uh, I'll, I'll pay you $200. And so finally it's auctioned off and the tax collector receives taxes. Now, if he's bought the right to collect taxes here for 100 bucks. He's got to collect enough taxes to get his hundred bucks back, right? Plus some. Now, you know what the advantage he had? The advantage he had was he also had the Roman legion behind him, the authority of Rome. And so the soldiers were standing there collecting taxes. So you see why people hated tax collectors? Because they not only got what they needed to pay Caesar, they also, you know, got enough to be sure they lived well. And then they'd sell this block and this block. And that's the way that. So Zacchaeus was one of these guys who had bought the right to collect taxes. So did people like Zacchaeus? How many of you like the IRS? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that's, that's just a, a paper. You know, that's not, that's not the, somebody. Well, Zacchaeus, he came down out of that tree and he took Jesus to his house and he fed him. And salvation came. Zacchaeus gave his life to Christ. He says, I know who you are. You're the Savior. You... And he said, and here's what Zacchaeus said to him. Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Now, why did Jesus say salvation has come to this house? Because Jesus was looking at the heart. The amounts didn't, the, the amount was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give back four times and I'm going to do, you know, that's not what Christ, Christ was looking at the heart. He says, your heart tells me you trust me. Now I want you just to underline, start right. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, underline that phrase right there. Now what you do is you get before the Lord and you say, Lord, is there anybody that I have cheated? Now, the first time I did this, and I got serious about it, the Lord reminded me how, in, in, uh, after, right after I got out of high school, 
Where, where I grew up, we didn't have a lot to do, a little town, uh, but we had three drag strips within 90 miles of us. And so I had friends and we'd race cars, okay? And we'd race mine Sunday and my friends on Saturday and another guy, we'd go take his to another track on Friday. And, um, and I bought a set of gears from a fellow for the rear end. Um, and I put them in my car and I know what I did is I ruined them. I mean, I didn't put enough oil in the thing and it locked up on me. So I took them back to him and said, they're no good. And I wasn't going to paint. He says, well, they were good when I gave them to you. No, no good. Look at it. I knew it was wrong. And the Lord convicted me of that. And it had been, I don't know, seven, eight years, maybe long, maybe, maybe 10 years since that happened. This guy was a high school classmate of mine. I didn't know where to find him. Ten years had gone by. We were living, where were Susanna? We were in Chicago then? or I'm not sure. I think Chicago. And I, I said, Lord, where do I find him? How do I even find this man? So I just found an old address, and I wrote to it. And I told him, I said, uh, Larry, I remember the set of gears that I bought from you, and I... Folks, the amount was 25 bucks. I mean, we're talking nothing now. And I said, I, I, I was wrong. I cheated you out of that money. And so I figured out here's the $25 plus uh, another 50 for interest and, and your time. And I'm just asking your forgiveness. I sent the check. I didn't know if it was going to get to him or not. Folks, I didn't know the mail could move that fast. <laughs> because within two or three, three days at the most, I had a response back from him. And he said, in the letter, he said, yeah, Dave, I remember that well. I couldn't believe that you'd do that. But you're forgiven. No problem. Don't worry about it. And the check was torn in half and stuck in there. Now, you know what freedom that gave me? I can now go back to my hometown. If I met Larry on the street... I could look him in the eyes. My conscience was clear. Happiness, joy that comes from a clear conscience, folks. That's what we're talking about here. Joy that comes from a clear conscience. Here was a man I wronged. Now, that's not the only person I've had to go back to. But as far as I know, in this day, right now, I can stand here and say there is no person, man, or entity in this world that I have wronged, that I haven't attempted to make things right with. And you know what that gives me? Tremendous freedom to have a clear conscience. I want you to have that same thing. I want you to be able to live your life free. Free. So, make restitution when possible. A second thing, give my full tithe. Give my full tithe. When are you going to start? I said, well, okay, I'll start with 5%. Okay. Then next year I'll move it to 6. Next year I'll move it to 7. No, no, don't work that way. God says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. You need to start. But I don't have enough. Now. Hey, remember me and the 10 bucks in my pocket? I wasn't going to make it anyway. But if you are robbing from God, you can't experience the blessings of God. You want God working for you or against you? If you want God working for you, then obey Him. We sang this song, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right. Thirdly, make a living honestly. Make an honest living. Ephesians 4.28 says this, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Now I want you to underline the second, there's three, three parts to that sentence. I want you to underline the second part that says, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands. Go to work, live, live. Make a living honestly. Find a way. Find something to do. 
And it's not just to provide for your needs, it is to establish your character. And notice the third part of that, it says, so that you may have something to share with somebody else. There may be somebody else that needs help. We've had times in our life where we've needed help. And there's others we've known that we've had the opportunity to help. But you can't help if you don't have something in your pocket to help with. So make a living honestly. Find something you can do with your own hands. Find something you can do with your own hands. So three commitments. I'll just close with this. Three commitments. First one, I'll, I'll not steal from others. I'm not going to take something from somebody else. I'm not going to take their resources. I'm not going to steal from employers. I'm not going to steal their character. I'm not going uh, to steal their reputation. I'm not going to steal from the government. And the third commitment is I'm not going to steal from God. Now, I dare say that I've stepped on your toe somewhere in this message. I don't know how I could not miss you. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're all, all guilty. You know, it's, it's not an issue of, well, you know, what about them, what about them? The, uh, you need to just draw a circle around yourself right where you're at and say, Lord, inside this circle where I'm at right now, what are you saying to me? Because we're all guilty. And see, that's what makes the good news so good. John asked the three kids in baptism, are you a sinner? They said, yes. Well, what did Jesus do for you? He died on the cross for me. Oh, the glorious freedom that that brings. The one who knew no sin, the one who never sinned, not once in his life. He never ate a grape that's, you know, at the supermarket without paying for it. I mean, he sinned never. And what did he do? He went to a cross and died on a cross to pay for your sin and mine. Uh, let me use this one last little illustration. If, uh, what you might not have known, Leah, right here, bless her heart, she's driving along and she's talking on the phone and the kids are all, and she drove through a school zone of blind kids. Speed limit was five miles an hour and she was doing 50. All right. Now she steps in front of the judge and what do you think the judge is going to do to Leah for breaking the law? Not just a little, but a lot. We're going to throw the book at her, right? She didn't have any money in her pocket. I got no money. I, I, I can't pay the fine. Okay, in our judicial system, you either pay a fine to be set free, or if you don't pay the fine, what happens to you? Oh, yeah. Go to jail. That's it. Okay. But I hear about her. No problem. Step in. I'll pay her fine. Now, see, the judge, he doesn't care who pays it. Just, the law says the law was broken and the law has to be satisfied. And the law says this fine is $1,000. No, I didn't pay that. Vince, you paid that, okay? All right, All right anyway. <laughs> anyway, the, you know, $1,000, okay? Now, does she get to go free? Or does she go to jail? She goes free. Why does she go free? Because the fine has been paid. The judge doesn't care how it got paid. The law says... It, the fine is there and it has to be paid. And so the payment was made and she goes free. Folks, that's exactly what happened with Christ. You and I are guilty of sin. We have broken God's law. Many times or a few or just once, we've broken God's law. Since you've broken the law, the place that you're headed is hell. And the only way to avoid there's only two places in eternity, heaven and hell. That's all. And you're headed to hell. And the only way that you can go to heaven is that fine has to be paid. So what have you got to pay God? What do you have to offer God for your sin? You think he's interested in your bank account? 
Is he interested in your... No, your life's full of sin. He's... That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus said, I'm going to give my life and my blood for you. And when he died on the cross, the debt was paid and we set free. And so I'm inviting you today, if you've never done that, if you've never understood that Jesus loved you enough, in spite of all your sin, all your shortcomings, he loved you enough to give his life on the cross for you. He says, I've paid the debt. Now the payment is there, it's offered to you, but it's not automatic. It, the payment isn't given. Like in this case, Leah, I could say, Leah, I'd like to pay this fine for you. And she could say, no, I don't, no, we're gonna do this on our own. You can say that to Jesus. Jesus, nope, I've got this handled, I'm gonna do this on my own. And nothing happens. But if you come to him and say, Lord Jesus, I have no other way to pay this fine of my sin except you. Then Christ says, paid. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, for loving us. I, it's just amazing to me that the God of all glory that created all the universe and put all this in place would love us enough to come down through time, space, and eternity and allow himself to be nailed to a cross to pay my sin. Oh, God, that is love so great, so amazing. It's hard to even wrap my arms around. But, Father, I believe that there's someone in this service this morning that needs that grace. I remember the day that you gave it to me. When you finally opened my eyes and I saw for the first time really what Jesus did for me. I remember that moment. Father, there's someone here this morning and they need that. I don't know who. You know the heart and you're speaking to the hearts. And so, Father, I pray as we extend this outward call for them to surrender their life to you, to believe and trust you. As we extend the outward call, Holy Spirit of God, speak to that heart. Draw them to yourself as only you can. Now I'm going to pause just for a moment in my prayer, but while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I wonder, are you the one that God's got that divine appointment with today? Are you the one that right now needs to surrender your life to him? Then right where you're seated, the payment for your sin, freedom, to clear your conscience, to clear your life, to give you a whole new start, is available if you will simply say, yes, Jesus. That's all. If you'll just trust Him. And prayer is the way we speak to Him. And in your heart right now, if you just say to Him in your heart, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Go ahead, say that to him. Just in your heart. You don't need to say it out loud. Just, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died for me. I may not understand every detail, but to everything that I understand in this moment, I surrender to you. So Jesus, I open my life to you. Come into my life. Come in today. Come in and stay. Cleanse me. Make me whole. And give me the strength to walk with you every day. And dear one, if that prayer expressed your heart's desire, tell him thank you. Just say thank you. Any way you want to, just say thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Why? Because the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. That's, it. That's the God's word. God's word says, Whosoever shall call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. And if you've called on His name, you have been saved. Not because I say it, but because God's Word says it. Tell Him thank you. Now, Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word and the way it instructs us, teaches us, grows us. And Father, I pray Your blessing on every person in this room. Oh, God, please bless them. In Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look this way. 
we're going to close with an invitation. The invitation, which is going to take us probably two, three minutes to go through this is all. Maybe, maybe two minutes. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing one verse of song. And as we sing this verse of song, I'm going to ask you to stand, sing with us. And if you've given your life to Christ just now, then I want to invite you to do something that's going to take a lot of courage. I'm going to invite you to leave your seat to come stand right here with me. I'm not going to have you say anything. I'm not going to turn you around. Let everybody look at you. I'm not going to say a word. But I'm going to invite you to stand here with me today. And by your presence, what you're saying to everyone is, today I want the world to know I'm going God's way. Today I want the world to know I'm following Christ. Why is that important? Am I making this up? No. Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Oh, wouldn't you like to stand in front of the Lord Jesus when he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what's at stake here. So I'm inviting you to take your stand for Christ. Your presence here says, that's all you do, just your presence here. I'll, I'll have, if it's a lady, I'll have a lady get with you and just, just spend a prayer moment with you. I want to put some material in your hands. If you're a man, I'll have a man with you just to pray with you for a moment. And, and, uh, but we're not going to have you say or do anything. Your presence says it all. So take your stand for Christ. And I'm asking you to do that in the safest place possible. Man, surrounded by people who are going to be excited. Love, you heard the excitement about the three who gave their life to Christ this morning. Man, you're surrounded by people who love you. So that's the invitation. Maybe you're already a believer and you're looking for a church home. And God's telling you you belong in this place, this church right now. That you be the first ones down the aisle to serve as an escort for others. That's our, that's our invitation to you. And we say invitation because nobody's going to compel you. We're inviting you. Let's stand together and sing. Would you come? If you're the only one, it's all worthwhile. Would you come take your stand for Christ right here? Stand right here. Take your stand for Christ right here. Is there one? We come today.